Hello, Fitzroy. Hello, we're here in Carlingford, where we've been throughout lockdown. Hope you're all safe and well. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Good morning, everyone. I'm standing beside the most gloriously perfumed azalea in my garden and just wishing you a very, very happy Sunday. From Jane. Good Good morning, Fitzroy. (laughs) From Chris. And from Patricia. What What a special special thing thing it is is to be be part part of of this Fitzroy Fitzroy family through all the seasons of our lives. And especially at this time. Good morning from Australia, Fitzroy. I hope you're all well and that you're staying safe during this time. Good morning, Fitzroy. Welcome to Sunday Worship. Come on, everybody. It's time. Can I get on the road? Whee! <laughs> I've got my coffee. Good, Good morning, Fitzroy. And there's a new way to welcome you to Fitzroy on a Sunday morning. We just thought it would be important for you to see some Fitzers. And actually, we hope that we might even see some of you folk that are not Fitzers, but are listening and watching from all over the world. So if you want to send us something, that would be really great. Send us a wee 20-second greeting. And over the course of the next number of weeks, we'll put them in with the greeting we have this morning. Trying to create community, trying to have that sense of together, even though we might feel alone in lockdown. So good morning and welcome. And uh, thank you for wherever you are uh, watching Fitzroy and whatever day you watch it, because I'm aware that uh, it's being watched throughout the entire week. I'm going to try and cut the announcements. If you're from Fitzroy, then the announcements are on the website. So please go on to that. Just to say that at this point, some people might not be aware of this, but as I go into this service, that there's a, a whole children's program on Fitzroy Children's Ministry. So if you go into the site, you will get that. And I hear Neville has got a, a wonderful uh, uh, colouring in thing happening right now. So if you have kids, get them on the tablet, get them doing that. Gives you concentration on this. Um, uh, thank yous are, are coming up uh, all the time because Fitzroy, you are incredibly generous. And we have another thank you from Fields of Life. Um, Tony Gaston has sent us a, a lovely thank you for um, all uh, the, the donations you gave to Trinity um, and Levixen's project. That is on the site. So if you want to go and see that and read that from Tony, uh, it's up there on the site. To see other things in the site, there's songs that we've done during services that you don't have to go in and listen to the whole service. You can get the song, original songs that we've done over the course of the last few months. Um, you can get some poems that have been read, benedictions that have been used all there on the site please go uh, and find those and then another thank you from Karen Smith who prayed last week for councils in the voluntary sector and she says we got answers to those prayers so Connor Murphy this week in Northern Ireland has given out about 39 million pounds to councils and the voluntary sector and we're saying amen thank you for answered prayer last Sunday in Fitzroy now this morning uh, before we go into worship we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to watch a video from India, uh, Safara, set up by Christine Burnett, one of our congregation, uh, working with schools in India. Uh, Safara does amazing things, particularly with young girls and education and development and healthcare and all kinds of different stuff. And so we wanted to know, because we've been to Africa to see some of the situation there, we wanted to know, well, what's happening with those places that Safara works? So we're going to watch a video now of the work uh, or of what's happening there at this point. And then, of course, this week, uh, when we were considering doing that video, a cyclone hit Bangladesh and India. And Sarah Hall, who with David spent many years in Bangladesh, is going to pray for India and Bangladesh after we watch what Safara's work is in India.
several times and we gave them ration about two weeks ago but it's finished they get some help from the government but that ration is not enough to last them for you know more than six or seven days so they need external help so what we're doing is we're giving them uh, some rice uh, as you can see there's some rice here uh, there's some dal and uh, a type of vegetable type of lentil that we're giving them uh, this is for just to keep them, you know, fed for the next, you know, week, 10 days. Some of our students are also coming to school from here. But as you can see, the size of the houses and how dingy they are, uh, it's difficult for them to study in the evenings. They don't have copies. They don't have books. Uh, you see the men, they are still here in this compound. They don't go out to work because they don't have any jobs right now. Uh, under normal circumstances, there will be no men here during the day. But you can see that during the day, in the afternoon, there are a lot of men here. That means they don't have jobs, they don't have work. So the need of the community is, is, is very dire. Uh, right now they just need, and they're looking for ways how they can meet their ends and how they can survive uh, to live another day. Please join with me as I pray. O oh Lord, our loving God, we lift to you our hurting, broken world, and today we focus on India and Bangladesh, following the devastating cyclone this week. A crisis on top of a crisis. O oh Lord, hear our prayer. God of all comfort and grace, visit those who've suffered additional losses through this cyclone and the devastation is caused to lives, livelihoods, and land. May your great love surround those who feel fearful for their future as they assess the losses. May you protect people from the coronavirus as practicing physical distancing has been impossible, as people rush to seek shelter from the storms, and now as they seek to rescue their homes and livelihoods. May your wings of love, strength, and protection keep people safe. As both India and Bangladesh begin the challenging recovery efforts, may you grant wisdom and comfort to those seeking to bring relief to areas affected. Give them compassion. May they be resourced and strengthened as they restore and rebuild. May your strength empower those who feel weak, powerless and dispirited, as people start to repair their devastated communities. May you provide comfort and hope, as in the midst of this situation, it's the end of Ramadan, and the festival of Eid will be observed across the region this weekend. In the midst of chaos, bring your peace. In the midst of danger, provide places of safety. God of mercy, Hear our prayer for the people of India and Bangladesh. Amen.
The reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 53. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The second reading is from Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven.
Hello. Pray with me, please. Serendipitously, Steve asked me to lead a prayer for people involved in law, including police and prisons. Just as the book I am currently reading is The Locust Effect by Gary Hohan, which was recommended to me by Christine in preparation for my trip to India. No trip, I'm afraid, but an intriguing read. It is about the hidden plague of everyday violence that silently undermines efforts to help the poor. Common violence like rape, forced labour, illegal detention, land theft and police abuse are routine and relentless. He writes, And like a horde of locusts devouring everything in its path, the unchecked plague of violence ruins lives blocks the road out of poverty and undercuts development. Fear is a daily reality for billions of the world's poorest, where safety is secured only for those with money and where much of our well-intended aid is lost in the daily chaos of violence. This book is a brilliant expose which highlights, by contrast, the safety that we live in because we have a criminal justice system that works. It is effective and accountable. Perhaps not perfect, but it permits us to live without fear. And so we pray our thanks to everyone who makes our criminal justice system work. And during the strangeness we now live in, we pray especially for the frontline police officers, often on PPE dealing with the drunk or stupid or self-centred who don't know what stay-at-home means, for the prison officers trying to ensure the safety of their charges, for the court staff and the lawyers and judges who are trying to ensure that urgent cases can be dealt with by video link to courtrooms, such as facilitating any case where a defendant may have served his time on remand so that he is not at risk of spending any longer than necessary in custody. And we pray too for people who need police help at this time, such as vulnerable victims who are at the mercy of bullies behind closed doors, who live in fear of clenched fists and vicious tongues, that they have recourse to the help that they need. And so we pray our thanks for our fair criminal justice system and the people in it, designed to protect all of us so that we can get on with living and enjoying the joys. Amen.
Ascension Sunday. Last Thursday, we celebrated Ascension Day. Who knew? Um, I have talked uh, a few weeks back about uh, the resurrection and how the resurrection is sort of a bit of a Cinderella to, to Good Friday uh, and how we've over-concentrated. We should concentrate, but we've over-concentrated on the cross. Maybe not over-concentrated on the cross as much as under-concentrated on the resurrection. But I'll tell you what, when it gets to ascension, the ascension is worse off than Cinderella ever was. I grew up really not hearing very much about the ascension. And we really don't talk very much about it in anything that we do. And yet what Desi Alexander taught us just a few years ago in Fitzroy when we were going through the the, the travel uh, journeys, uh, discourses of Jesus from Luke chapter 9 till he got to uh, Jerusalem, we find that Jesus starts in Luke chapter 9 by saying, Jesus set his face on when he would be taken up to heaven. He didn't set his face on the cross. He didn't set his face on the resurrection. He set his face on the ascension. This ascension is vitally important. And last Thursday, I didn't see many of us doing much about it. This is Ascension Sunday, and many of the churches in the world have moved from uh, an Ascension Thursday, kind of the Ascension Day, to concentrating on it today. And what I've done is... Uh, forgive me, here is my confession. Uh, I do the lectionary. That's where we get our readings for Fitzroy services. If you're one of those who's been visiting with us over the course of the last number of weeks, you maybe think I'm going randomly across the scriptures. I'm not. I'm using a reformed uh, lectionary. And and that lectionary, basically, the way I find it on the web is I press it up and it tells me the, the lectionary readings for next week. So I do a sorbet from last week and then I immerse myself in the readings for the week after. And uh, so I did that on Tuesday and I got the readings and I sent them to Sheila and David to get them to read the lectionary readings for today. And then I realized on Friday that I'd actually read the lectionary readings for Ascension Thursday, which they'd sneaked in between the Sundays. Do I change it at that point? No, I don't, because this is Ascension Sunday and I want us to concentrate on the vital importance of what went on here. But also we have to be aware that we are thinking about Ascension Sunday this particular year in this particular context. Never more have I had to think of text of scripture into the context of, per, of coronavirus. Never more have I had a specific moment to concentrate context as I bring the Bible text to it. And one of the things that I'd missed all these years that is there in Luke chapter 24, when Luke records the ascension at the end of his gospel, is these incredible words that the disciples were told to stay in the city until they would be, a higher power would be poured out upon them. Jesus told them to go into lockdown. Jesus told them to go and wait, to stay, to remain, stay home almost until such times as the Holy Spirit would be poured out. Now, that's interesting for me because, bless the disciples, I reckon they've been in pretty much 40 days of lockdown. Now, we've got scenes where Jesus met them on the beach and they've obviously been out of lockdown. But I imagine that for the 40 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, they were still fearful of the Roman soldiers, of uh, the Pharisees uh, who were still trying to get the Jesus followers. And so they've been in lockdown for quite a time. And we realize that Jesus uses a waiting and the timings of God that have not got the joyless urgency of our modern life. Uh, Paul Lutton did an amazing thought for the day for Father Martin this week on the, uh, the St. John's uh, Parish um, blog. And he talked about that um, uh, Marilyn Robinson quote, that the modern day is a joyless urgency. And it is. And we've maybe had a breather from that joyless urgency over this time of lockdown. God is about waiting. He didn't rush from Eden to Bethlehem. There was hundreds of years between them. He takes his time. God's timing is not a joyless urgency. He is all the time in eternity. And so we have to wait in that timing. The disciples are waiting for something to happen, still frightened, still anxious, still not sure, still a little confused. How's it going to be when the lockdown opens up? They're asking in their lockdown, very much like us. But in that lockdown, they have the promise, stay in the city until 
this higher power is poured out upon them. We will be thinking about that on Pentecost next Sunday. But they're waiting for this higher power and they're waiting with this promise. The promise, the promises of God are incredibly important as we wait in anxious, uncertain, difficult, tragic even times. But what happens in the ascension is crucial to the promise. And that's where I want to get to today. Excuse me, without this ascension, we really, the promises all fall apart. And here's the reasons. Uh, Malcolm Gweet is an Anglican priest, poet and songwriter. I'm not actually truthfully don't know whether that's how you pronounce his name g-u-i-t-e i was on with him this week asking permission to use his poem in a belfast telegraph article that was published yesterday and i should have asked him but it's not easy on facebook to ask how do you pronounce your name uh, but malcolm uh, has this wonderful poem called uh, ascension day sonnet and and i used it two years ago in my sermon in fitzroy and it's going to be on the website i'm going to put it on the website uh, so that you can read it afterwards but he talks incredibly Incredibly, with a literary flair and real theological insight about what's happening in this ascension. And what's happening is, I call it a cosmic zigzag. Because if we want to go back, what happens in Bethlehem is that God becomes human. God comes out of heaven to earth and becomes human. What happens at the ascension is that a human, oh yes, fully God, but fully human, goes back into heaven. It's the zigzag. It's the opposite of what happened at Bethlehem. This is really quite incredible. This is really quite wow. This is worth us giving more time in the year to ascension, the same amount of time that we give to Christmas or Easter, because a human being goes back into heaven and gets seated at the right hand of God. Wonderfully, Malcolm Gweet puts it in his poem, We saw him go, yet we were not parted. He took us with him into the heart of things. Wow. The disciples saw him go, yet all the learning that they were having in those uh, farewell discourses about I and the Father are one and you and I are one and we're all in this together, suddenly it becomes uh, clear, well, probably not at that moment to them, but as it goes, it becomes clear to them that the oneness they have with Jesus, he is taking them with them with him as he goes back to sit at the right hand of God. He takes us humans, us followers of Jesus, into the very heart of things. Because three things, forgive me for being Presbyterian this morning, but three things I want to just say about the ascension. Number one, if we go to Ephesians chapter one and near the end of Ephesians chapter one, we find that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and God has given him all rule and authority over all powers and governments. That's important to know. That's a promise that has got some substance. Now, it's a mystery to me. I don't understand how Jesus get back into heaven or where heaven is or how he was taken from them or what that looks like. But I believe it. I believe in the theology and in the in the core of my being that Jesus now sits at the right hand of God and has this power and authority over all the powers of the world. Sectarianism, my own selfishness um, uh, over all our addictions, over all those things that divide us, over governments and tyrannies and all of that stuff. Jesus sits at the right hand of God and he now rules for us. We have gone with them into the very heart of things, the pulse of the universe. Jesus is right there on it. That's incredibly powerful to know when you're waiting like the disciples were in lockdown for what might happen next. That's incredibly powerful to know for those of us in lockdown that might be wondering what's happening next. Secondly, it's only because Jesus goes back to the Father and goes back into that situation where he's at the right hand of the Father that the Holy Spirit can be poured out. Last week's sermon where we looked at the paraclete, where we looked at the accompanying of the Holy Spirit, the abiding of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the counseling of the Holy Spirit, the guiding and teaching of the Holy Spirit. The only way that Pentecost could happen next Sunday is because Jesus is at the right hand of God. Peter says that on uh, Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2. We find, I think it's verse 33, where Peter says that Jesus, because he is seated at the right hand, pours out the Holy Spirit upon them. They're seeing the evidence of this right there in this Pentecost sermon. 
So without the ascension, no Holy Spirit. Without the ascension, the promised Holy Spirit could not be with us. We would be in lockdown without the possibility of the fulfillment of promise. There would be no promise at all. We would literally be on our own, but we're not because Jesus has taken us into the very heart of things. And finally, from Hebrews 4, that pastoral, loose pastoral verses that I use so many times, that I use it when I'm preaching, but I use it at probably every funeral. I use it at so many bedsides. I cling to it myself in times of tragedy, where it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. We have someone at the right hand of the Father who understands our humanity because he's still human. Here's something that's really important and something that I don't know that I haven't read very much in this. And I don't know whether much has been said about this. But when Jesus ascends on Ascension Day, he ascends as a human being back to the right hand of the Father. He doesn't change from the humble Lord who washes the disciples' feet. He doesn't change from the God of the manger, the donkey and the cross. He doesn't change from this humble master, this humble Lord to some tyrant in the sky. It is the same Jesus who sits beside God, a Jesus who would wash our feet, a humble Jesus. This is a different kind of par dynamic than the powers we see around the world. This is a radically alternative, humble Jesus who is interested in the common good and on the heart and mind of this Jesus at the right hand of God is to care for humanity, to love humanity, to have grace and mercy thrown out on humanity. So that's the Jesus that sits. Hebrews chapter four says we can come with confidence to the throne of grace, because at the throne of grace, at the right hand of the throne of grace, we have this Jesus who is one of us. We are his brother and sister. He is our brother. He has taken us to the very heart of things. And when we need pastoral care, when our hearts are broken and shattered, and when we're anxious and family members and friends are being tossed about, and it seems that our prayers are not being answered the way we have it, we have Ascension Day. We have our brother at the right hand of God looking towards us with his tender mercy that he might help us in our time of need. And here's the truth. Being born in Bethlehem wouldn't have been able to do those things. Dying on the cross, important knowledge is, wouldn't have been able to do those things. The resurrection and the victory over death that it seemed to be wouldn't have been the same. Had Jesus not ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, because that's where all the promises pump from. So we're in lockdown. We're anxious. We're waiting. And the waiting is the maturing of our spiritual lives. The Bible is often about waiting. Those of us who have to have that joyless urgency, those of us who have to rush on, those of us who have to break the curfew before we're supposed to break the curfew. There's not maturity in that. It's not the ways of God. God's ways are to wait. Go back to the city. Remain in the city until many of us are in that spot. And it's an anxious spot. It's an uncertain spot. It's a disorientating spot. But this is Ascension Day. And we believe today that our brother, the Lord Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father. And that changes everything. I'm aware that some of us this week are in lockdown, in lockdown. Many of us, some of us in Fitzroy this week, have dealt with some seriously tragic news. Even in the Stockman family, we've dealt with some tragic news. And in that tragedy and in that heartache, here's the thing. We have the promise. And we only have the promise because today, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and all power and authority and dominion is under him. He is the one who throws the spirit out to bring us comfort, to bring us counseling and guidance out of whatever we're going through. He is the one who understands the pain within our lives and therefore we can approach his throne of grace with confidence with that promise. I wrote a poem a few years ago and I discovered it just the other day. And in the middle of it, I said, hope is a promise we remember. The substance of a mystery. 
whatever our waiting, whatever we're going through, however we're dealing with lockdown, this is Ascension Sunday. And because of Ascension Sunday, we wait with a promise. That promise makes all the difference. And it is the substance, all mysterious things that I'll never understand, but it's got the substance of Jesus as Lord. And that changes the world and eternity. Thank you, Aaron. A beautiful way to come out of a sermon just to reflect on the love of God. And now we're going to have a blessing that's different than the normal blessing. Uh, it's different than the normal benediction. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a UK blessing that went viral across the UK and beyond. And so Fitzers have uh, put their own version of that together. It's the ironic blessing. It's the best way to send a prayer out over all of us uh, for the week that is ahead. So we're going to have the UK blessing as our benediction this morning. Thank you for watching. Go and text somebody, be involved in fellowship, phone them, write a letter, and we will see you soon. Thank you again for being with us.
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and your children and your children may his presence go before you and 